Welcome to She Has a Goal in Mind, brought to you each week by Darcy Morris and Gabriella Dukes. This week we chat to British weightlifter Sarah Davis. She tells us about her silver medal at the Commonwealth Games, being a beauty queen, facing body shaming and standing up for what she believes in. We hope you enjoy listening and don't forget to like, subscribe and follow us on social media at A Goal in Mind Podcast. Hi Sarah, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, good, thank you. Thank you for joining us. So I'm Gabriella. And I'm Darcy. And I'm not sure if you, what you've seen of the podcast so far, but basically we decided to set up a podcast to celebrate all the amazing women that are in the sports industry. Um, from people like you that are athletes, people that work in the media. And we thought that you had such an interesting story and you have done so much in your life you've achieved so much so thank you for coming on can't wait to get chatting to you no problem it's kind of weird when I hear people say stuff like that I'm like oh I don't know I just I just do me (laughs) so you're a British female weightlifter competed in five world championships five European senior championships and the Commonwealth Games yeah that sounds about (laughs) right two Commonwealth Games now yeah so have you always inspired aspired to be a weightlifter or did you have other goals when you were younger if you'd have asked me 10 years ago what weightlifting was I wouldn't have been able to tell you so no is the answer to that um in summary um I barely really knew what weightlifting was this time 10 years ago if at all so yeah it was never never on my radar I was a gymnast growing up I retired from gymnastics at like age 14 something like that played golf for a little while just did bits and pieces of sport but never really got fully into anything like I did with my gymnastics and then it was when I was at uni that I actually found weightlifting so definitely an an interesting experience and not one I ever saw coming or planned for or anything like that but uh, I wouldn't change it for the world. Wasn't it so not long after you started weightlifting you went to the European Championships was it under 23s and you were the first British woman to win a gold medal I was the first British person outright male or- that's amazing yeah, yeah, incredible yeah. fair play 2015 yeah so I won three gold medals there three gold medals yeah so you get them for the individual lifts and then your total so that's a um, good effort considering you hadn't long started that's incredible yeah no I'd only been lifting like three four years at that point obviously you're in the 69 kg category is that right uh so I competed in the Commonwealth Games at 69 um but for the Olympics I'll be in the 64 kilo class um just a little bit lighter because it's to do with like team selection and stuff so what kind of categories are they how are they split up so there's 10 weight classes for men and 10 for women at like world and european level um but for the olympics there's only seven of each just because of the way it works with quota places for the olympics so there's the smallest weight class at world championships is 45 kilos for women and then it goes all the way up to the top end which is super heavyweight which is 87 kilos and over and that's kind of everything else in between all kind of spread out generally like six seven kilos between classes um, maybe slightly less on some of them so it's a bit like boxing basically you have like your featherweights your lightweights and it kind of goes all the way up so it's kind of similar on that how how heavy are the weights you actually lift how heavy can you lift so i currently hold the british record for snatch um, 101 kilos and my best clean and jerk is 128 kilos which is double body weight so yeah. So of course you went to the Commonwealth Games and you had a silver medal. 
Amazing. So how did that feel getting that silver medal and how was that experience going to the Commonwealth Games? Do you know what? I probably didn't enjoy my silver medal as much as I should have because I actually had the weight on the bar for the gold medal and I like just missed it by like a fraction. So it was kind of that thing of being like bittersweet. Like I was obviously over the moon that I'd got a medal, but the athlete in me was like, but you were so close to gold. And it's kind of that, you know, you're always striving for more, I guess. But um, yeah, to be at that Commonwealth Games and to get that medal, you know, my first Commonwealth Games was in Glasgow, which was kind of cool. It's almost like a home games because it's in a home nation. Australia, though, was a really cool experience. The whole games was so well run. Being on the Gold Coast, the sunshine, everything like was so cool. I was away for like six weeks total in Australia and they didn't come home. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, it, it was fun. And it was really cool because the, the Aussies all get so into the sport as well. Like they get so behind it. You'd be just walking down the sort of main bit of the Gold Coast and you'd have your like accreditation on that you have to wear it's basically like your passport while you're in the village and um, people would just be stopping you like in the street and asking who you are what you do like where you're from and like people with their kids stopping for pictures like you wouldn't even be in kit you'd just literally have this string around your neck and people would be stopping (laughs) you so that was really cool but obviously the commonwealth games comes back to england next year in birmingham so for me to have a, a true home games on proper on english soil will be a phenomenal experience i actually saw a quite emotional video of you on your instagram mm-hmm. and you just spoke about how the international weightlifting federation is corrupt and presidential change mm-hmm. and ple- your pledging for it to be a clean sport so i just wanted to know why are you so passionate and what needs to change and i also noticed as well that the executive boards most of them are men does that bother you yeah, so the video that got posted about the the changes, the, what the executive board did, getting rid of our interim president who was doing an outstanding job. Like, I'd been elected by our interim president of chair of the Athletes Commission. So that kind of almost made me like athlete rep by default. I was a kind of the face of the athletes in terms of the international federation. And, you know, no one asked me to do it, but like these changes happened. They removed Ursula without her, like, knowing they had a secret meeting to remove her and all this kind of stuff and it just triggered me I was like no I'm done with this like I'm done with the bs that goes with these lot it's been the same way like the guy that was president that basically had to step down before he was forced down he'd been president for like 40 years so the corruption that comes with that of someone being in that kind of power there was like 10 million us dollars missing from the accounts there's loads of drug tests that got found that had never been tested like all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, no, I've had enough. Like, I'm going to speak out about this. And and it blew up. Like, I never expected it to blow up the way that it did. And I kind of then became this face of this weightlifting revolution that I kind of didn't see coming. And I'm like, why did I do this and put myself at the forefront? Yeah, it's, it's still a battle that we're ongoing with. We actually have our, like, international elections coming up in March. So it's something that, again, I'm kind of campaigning for now to make sure that people vote for the right people because there's been very much a a scaremongering culture with it before. And it was, you know, a lot of money involved. Like if you vote for me, I'll pay you this amount or I'll make sure that your athletes don't get drug tested. And like all of this kind of stuff has gone on. And I'm like, no, enough's enough. Like I've got to make our voice heard. And the end of the, like I just told somebody today because I posted about it again today and was saying that at the end of the day, the current executive board, they don't like me. They hate having me in their meetings because I'm opinionated and because I'm female, Um, but we'll get to that. And um, (laughs) (laughs) and I was like so the worst they can do is get rid of me from my current role but I don't care because if I get kicked off doing the right thing then 
yeah, I don't get paid for it. It's not a job. I don't get anything for it. I was like, if they get rid of me, I'll just make even more noise. So, and I was like, and if my campaigning goes the right way, even if they get rid of me, if we get the right people back in, I know I'll get my role back. So it's kind of, I'm like, I got nothing to lose. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we have an executive board of 20 voting members and there's only one female. Oh, wow. That's just incredible, isn't it? How long it's gone on for yeah. and only one woman being in it. Just yeah and like part of it is because weightlifting like wasn't a female sport for very long so we first got women's weightlifting in the olympics in sydney in 2000 which isn't that long ago when you think about like olympic cycles it's only like five olympics or whatever so that's part of it because obviously it wasn't a women's sport so it's kind of the culture of it but also because they're just a bunch of male chauvinists They're a bunch of old men who want to do things their way. And, you know, when we had Ursula, our female interim president, before they kicked her off, the way they used to speak to her was outrageous. Like the fact that people can even speak to anybody like that, let alone like speak to a woman who is the president and you're supposed to respect her and she's in charge of you and all that kind of stuff. Like I genuinely thought I'd gone back a hundred years to how women you know used to be spoken to and everything like that like it was just outrageous and how she put up with it for so long and is still fighting now is beyond me but yeah hopefully we will see some changes now going forwards when we get our new kind of executive board after the elections but I just hope that people use their brains and vote for for what's right as opposed to what they know and you know you get a lot of oh but I've seen this person in person and they're really nice to talk to and they're always so polite and I'm like yeah but that's just because they're being nice to your face but behind your back they're ruining our sport and we might get kicked out of the olympics so yeah because weightlifting is a sport that people only watch in the olympics like people kind of forget it exists the other four years yeah that's so true isn't it yeah and it because it always gets good like easy television because it's easy to understand as a sport like you either pick it up or you don't like so people can follow it really easily whereas you know you compared to some of the other sports like the martial arts and that like it's so confusing to watch so you know we do get good television and if we lose that, like it is the end of our sport, really, if we lose the Olympic Games. That that must put fire in your belly yeah. then. And, and you'd think being 2021 now, things would change and there would be more women and more women involved. And they're lucky to have you fighting, you know, fighting your corner to try and get things Yeah, to people keep saying that to me. They're like, oh, we're so thankful for you and everything. And I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, I'm just a loud mouth. I'm just like... <laughs> making my point (laughs) but then sometimes they need someone like you to use your voice first and then hopefully others will follow and that was it that was a big part of it like a lot of athletes then got behind the movement but I think it just took that one person to create that snowball effect that no one really knew where to start before or how to speak up or the fear of them you know having a knock-on effect afterwards like for selection of competitions and all that kind of stuff but like I knew that British weightlifting stood with me in my views so I kind of knew that I was in in the right place for all of that so it was nice to have that backing from my own governing body and you know that they're doing the right things as well moving forwards to help get the IWF where it needs to be so yeah yeah well hopefully things turn out the right way like you said and things do make a change because you know it'll benefit everyone it'll benefit the general sport industry as well to to get other sports to follow in your footsteps so I I actually have people reach out from other sports as well that said it they were like you know it goes on in every sport like well done for speaking up like it takes a lot of courage and stuff and you know it's not even something that will necessarily affect me because as it stands like we're obviously going to Tokyo and then you know Paris were pretty much still in it It, we could get removed but 
you know, for me, my career longevity isn't going to be much more than that. So actually, I have no real reason to speak up because my career is safe. But it's about the longevity of the sport and, you know, that whole next generation thing. So I was going to ask what the response was. I know you said, obviously, people from other sports kind of reached out to you. But what are the fans saying? Yeah, there was a lot of like... Because I ended up setting a petition up in the end because I had a lot of people reaching out who weren't necessarily athletes who just love the sport of weightlifting, have maybe found it through different sport avenues or just enjoy watching it or whatever. And they were like, what can what can we do? Like, how can we help? Um, so it was an overriding, like, positive thing. My phone went nuts for, like, a whole week. And people kept ringing me. I was like, I can't cope with this anymore. I don't want to talk to people. <laughs> like, um, But it was all just people trying to help. And we're like, look, I can do this to help you. I can do that to help you. And I'm like, I, I met so many new people. I learned so many new names. And a week went by and I was like, I have no idea what just happened. <laughs> like, it's just a whirlwind. There was some people that like there was some negative press. So someone sent me a translated article that like in that was originally in Russian um, that was saying that I was doing it for my own benefit, for my own rankings and my own Olympic position and that. But it's because I was basically attacking them. So, yeah, it was a, a feeble attempt to troll the whole campaign. But um, yeah, it was an over overwhelming positive response which was awesome like every corner of the globe we covered like it was just it was really cool of course you've got the olympics this year now coming up so what is the process for you like at the moment because it's only a few months away do you really know what the situation is coming up do you have a date yeah so the qualification process started for us in 2018 back in November 2018 so it was like a should have been a two-year qualification process obviously that's now been extended and you had to compete in certain competitions to qualify and we should have had one more competition left which would have been the continental championships so for me the Europeans in April last year obviously they got cancelled and then they're hoping to run it again April this year as a final qualification competition for the Olympics I'd like it to well I'm kind of torn. I kind of don't want to go to Russia with the whole coronavirus thing going on because I'm not, I'm kind of skeptical of what they're actually up to. But I also want to get back on a platform because it's been the longest I've ever been in my whole career without competing. It was actually like a year tomorrow, I think, the last time I competed. So it's been such a long time to get, it'd be good to get back into that rhythm. So it'd be nice to have that championships if we can for it to happen safely. I'm actually in a meeting in a couple of weeks about how they can go about it, making it safe for the athletes and stuff and the the changes that they're going to kind of propose for it. So that would be April. And then we'll find out who's qualified uh, in May. So that's quite a short period then really from finding out if you're qualified to actually go in. Is it in yeah, yeah. Like June, t- July time, is it? Yeah, is so right? final um, announcements of qualification will be the end of May. And then opening ceremonies are 23rd of July. So we'll probably fly out very early July because we'll have like a prep camp and stuff. But we're not really sure yeah. what will happen with that, with the whole quarantining and will we have to have a vaccine? And, you know, there's there's a lot up in the air at the minute about you know how the olympics will look um we've been told that they will go ahead like they kind of have to go ahead i think because of the money that's been spent but whether it means we can't really go in and out of the village and because normally if you you know you can go in and out the village as you please go for a walk whatever else but whether that'll change a little bit and they'll kind of keep us caged in a little bit that's kind of all still got to come out which 
it's one of those things it's like you could stress about it but what's the point like you just yeah gotta... you can't change it isn't it it's no point stressing over something that you can't change yeah exactly You're, it's out of your control at the end of the day so you, it might not be the same experience but you kind of still yeah play, it's gonna so... be a weird one because it might not be a traditional olympic experience but like in 50 years time when i've got grandkids i'd like i was part of that olympics <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. So, yeah it'd be kind of cool to be able to say you're at that olympics it was a bit different and on the wrong year and all the rest of it i guess so yeah hopefully we have some crowd even if it's just minimal because it would be weird to lift in a quiet room to be fair sometimes we go to competitions and there's not, not that much of a crowd anyway so it maybe will be quite nice that we like feel like home <laughs> we also noticed uh you run an online business can you tell us a bit about that and kind of how do you juggle that training and personal life yeah um so I run a wisdom for weightlifting which is a online business coaching weightlifting so writing coaching programs doing video feedback um so I use WhatsApp. people send me videos on whatsapp and I give them technical feedback and then I use that to rewrite their program and and everything like that so the business started in 2014 but I really kind of dug into it in 2016 because from 2014 to 2016 I was funded so we used to get funding from UK sport so I got payment it wasn't anything significant I still worked part-time I was a PE teacher at the time so the business kind of existed but just a little bit of extra and then in 2016 we lost the funding for weightlifting for UK sport so from I'll have gone a whole Olympic cycle just funding myself to get there with nothing like no physio support no strength and conditioning support like nothing our competitions have been paid for to be fair for this Olympic qualification but other than that that's kind of been it so the business is there to to do that and to keep a roof over my head and and everything else and pay for the physio and you know I'm lucky that I've got sponsorships and stuff now as well which helped massively you know the last couple of years have been a huge boost for me on that but the business works well for me though because where it is all online like if I go away to competitions I can take it with me like I can still work and earn money and I mean 2019 I was out the country for like 22 weeks of the year or something just living my best life going on holiday I'm not gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was in America for six weeks and I was still earning money because I was still doing my job I took myself out there for a training camp to go train with some friends out there and you know I could still do my work so yeah it is literally living the dream <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah so it works well and you know I for what I do for the program and I'm kind of smart that I don't take on more than that I need to two reasons one because I want to be able to focus on my training and two because I want them to get the best out of me yes I could probably take on more clients but then I know that that would mean each client got less attention and my own integrity won't let me do that like if I'm going to do something I, I want you to be getting the most out of me so so that does does really well there's a few things in the pipeline to kind of get the business more on a subscription basis for like a cheaper program so that I can kind of earn money without doing anything which sounds great to me um, <laughs> but I'll still keep my like more expensive programs that people pay for that are personalized and stuff like that but yeah it's kind of makes it easy to balance it because it is so flexible and it can go with me anywhere and you know the videos for, come through on my phone so if I'm on a train or a plane or wherever I'm going I can still I use that time to like catch up on stuff really so yeah it, it works it wasn't something that I ever saw myself doing and sometimes I think it would be nice to do something that's not weightlifting, but it does the job. It pays the bills. I enjoy doing it. That's all you can ask for, really. <laughs> I've noticed, of course, the Commonwealth Games is on home turf for you next year. Um, you've 
been doing a lot of media work, haven't you? Like campaigning for it and everything. And I saw a post on your Instagram that you would like to go into presenting, maybe once you've finished competing in yeah. sport. Is that something you would definitely like to go into? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm a bit of a loud mouth. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I like to talk and, you know, weightlifting to get more exposure and like the commentary around weightlifting, you know, could potentially do with a little bit more like of an update and people who are like nearer to X lifters than, than the current ones. And yeah, I definitely like to, to still be involved in sport when I retire in some capacity. I'd actually been on like a Birmingham 2022 like launch day and the whole event was about how we've got as many in fact, we actually have more medals for women in Birmingham than men for the first time ever in any Commonwealth Games. So, or Amazing. any, in fact, it might, it might even be in any multi games of like multi sport event. This is the first time we've had that. So, that's pretty cool. And the whole thing was around that. And yeah, it was just really cool to be a part of it and, you know, to be in the studio and just chatting about sport and everything like that. Like, it was awesome. That's actually really interesting. There were more women with medals yeah. than men. Have you actually seen like an increase in women taking part in the sport now or since when you started? Definitely. So when I started weightlifting, I mean, I qualified for my first nationals in my first ever competition because the standards were so much lower. And when I went to my first nationals, you could pretty much win a medal because there'd be about three women per weight class. These days, you it's a lot harder to qualify. The qualification total has gone up 50 kilos, I think, in the time I've done weightlifting. And, you know, to qualify is hard. Like they've had to have a cutoff point of like a top eight for the British and top 15 on the rankings for you to be able to lift there. Like it blows my mind because I just turned up and used to just collect medals just for fun because there was nobody else yeah. there. <laughs> like, it would be hard to do weightlifting now. Like I'd actually have to try. Whereas, you know, then it was kind of that quick success like if I'm honest with myself, probably kept me in the sport as long as it did because, you know, I was doing well and I was climbing the ladder just because there wasn't the depth of competition. Whereas now, you know, there's good depth of competition and through every weight class, it's getting competitive to get yourself selected for international competitions. And, you know, that success breeds more success because people start fighting harder to achieve more. And, you know, there's more battles going on in all the weight classes, which is, which is awesome to see. And CrossFit has been a huge thing for weightlifting and people have, their opinions on it either way and personally it's done me a favor because it allows me to run my business because a lot of my clients come from CrossFit my sponsorship opportunities are a lot more because there's more sports there's more companies now that work in strength sports and and this kind of industry so and it's made the sport more popular so you really can't knock it you know there's some you see the bad technique and stuff online but you're always going to see that in sport so it's cool to see it and you know at British Championships we pretty much have a 50-50 split of men to women if not more women yeah it is awesome to see it because you know when I started lifting it was a very male dominated stereotypical male sport and actually now we're seeing that shift which is awesome like we're going to send potentially four women to the Olympic Games for Great Britain and no men like which is yeah which is sad for our men's team and the kind of the international kind of landscape has a lot to do with that but that's kind of cool to be a you know traditionally male-dominated sport to send a full team of women is pretty cool to be a part of so moving on from sport for the moment I've been so excited to get you on the podcast because me and you have the same hobby don't we so just for the listeners to know I represented Wales at Miss World in 2019 and you represented England again on an international stage in the Miss Intercontinental pageant internationally so how was that experience for you and why did you decide to take part in pageants in the first place? So I first got into pageants just kind of by fluke Um, I was a student I was working in a pub 
and I call it like a proper old man pub, you know, like a proper locals pub. Yeah. And there was a, there was an advert in the Leeds Guide that was for, you know, for the Miss Leeds competition. And it, everyone was like, oh, Sarah, you should do it. And I was like, nah. And I'll hold my hands up. I had that stereotypical view of what a pageant girl was. Um, I was like, no, 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 don't be stupid. Like, it's not for me, everything else. And then I succumbed to peer pressure and found myself entered in Miss Leeds. And I won that and then found myself a four day Miss England final completely out of my depth like I I was like why am I here so I did the Miss England thing and I was like yeah that was a cool experience but I'm done and then actually I was like you know that they say you get bitten by the pageant bug you caught the pageant bug I know that feeling yeah And (laughs) and then a little bit later I was like do you know what I can actually use this as a really cool platform to like voice my my opinions and stuff and as a kid doing gymnastics when I was in like year seven I was bullied for being masculine you know I had like an eight pack and pecs like I was shredded like there wasn't an ounce of fat on me I wish I still looked like that now um that's brilliant <laughs> but obviously at like a girl to look like that at 11 years old isn't normal which is why you then end up with the bullying and stuff and I was like do you know what this actually gives me a platform to go look I'm musclier now than I've ever been I'm more confident in my body now than I've ever been. And I still look all right. Like I still look like a girl. So if I could just make that difference to one 11 year old me somewhere else, then I'd done my job. So yeah, I kind of kept going to the pageants in that. And you know, they're, they're good for making you do stuff. And I know we shouldn't need to kick up the bun to do the community work, to do the charity work, but it makes you make time for it. And like I said about my job being weightlifting, it gives me something that's not weightlifting. I used to be really terrible at going into a room, particularly of women. Like I'd be finding a group of boys because it, for my when I did golf and then in weightlifting, like it, being surrounded by men, going into a room of a group of women that I didn't know and had potentially nothing in common with, I was really bad at making small talk conversation. And I was like, do you know what? This this challenges me on so many different levels that I know it's good for my personal development and I'm giving back in the process. So that's kind of the main reason that I kind of stayed in pageants and, you know, have made it a hobby and made like lifelong friends from it. So I love pageants and a female role model and and everything that, that comes with that. And, you know, you've got girls in pageants now that come from every walk of life, doctors, lawyers, like yeah me that's the thing that there, there is no stereotypical girl in a pageant not like yeah. people think the, people come from so many different backgrounds it's, yeah. it's such an amazing environment yeah. to be in isn't it yeah exactly power environment that's what I was going to ask actually because obviously weightlifting mm. and pageants it's, it's quite a contrast yeah. isn't it so have you ever had an experience where someone said you're too muscular to compete in a pageant? So it's interesting or... you say that. So when I went to the international pageant um, in 2019, when I represented England, it was in the Philippines, which is, you know, widely regarded as like the Mecca for pageantry. Like they're, they're so serious about it. And um, I actually got trolled while I was there. So the there's like a pageant like fan page or whatever posted a picture of me. And there were so many hate comments in there from the Filipino pageant fans of like, she looks like a man. Is that a man? Like they're trans, they're a bodybuilder, they shouldn't be here. Like the comments and the looks like it goes on. So there was all of that. And it, and I was stupid. And I read the comments like at breakfast while we were there. And because I'm surrounded by people and you just kind of get that overwhelming emotion. So I had a little bit of a tear and a bit of a cry, but not like a full blown sob. I'm like, oh, you know what? Screw them, I'll be all right. And then the international director tried to stop me walking in swimwear while I was there 
there was me and then Miss India, Miss Lithuania, and they tried to stop all three of us walking. So th- there was those two girls and then me obviously as a different body type again. They kind of found excuses for the other two girls. And then for me, they're like, oh, we want to do it for your safety. You know, we don't want you getting upset again if people put negative comments. And I was like, whoa, 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 stop. I was like, if you stop me walking, that tells me you agree with the trolls and you don't want me on your stage because I look different to everybody else. And that could bring negative media and this and that. So they tried to stop me walking and the like the true sisterhood came out then because as soon as they said that to me, I was like, nah, this isn't washing. So like, all the girls found out, like you've got 60 girls or whatever, found out within 10 minutes, like Chinese whispers went wildfire. And the girls all went, if they stop you walking, we won't walk, they'll have no show. Like, and it's this big televised sponsored event or whatever for the swimwear round. They're like, nah, we, we won't walk, we won't walk. And then I went up to the choreographer, I'm like, what do you want me to do? And he was like, do you want to walk? I'm like, of course I want to walk. Like, why wouldn't I? I went out on the stage, did my swimwear walk, and there was screens in the back so the girls could, like, see what was going on. The noise that came from that back room was unbelievable. Oh, like, that's amazing to hear. Girl, like, cheered and everything. Oh. Like, I was emotional on that stage. I'm like, Sarah, hold it together, hold it together. And then I came off the stage and I, I saw the, the international director. He was like, oh, you made it onto the stage? And I was like, I was never not making it onto that stage. Like, I'm proud of my body. My body can do incredible things. Yeah, and obviously this whole time, like, I've, you know, I've had no phone on me. I couldn't talk to anybody at home. Like, I couldn't talk to my, you know, my partner at the time, my national director, and then... When I finally got hold of my national director, she was like, do you know what? If you'd have walked out that door, she went out to pay for your hotel for the rest of the trip. Like she was like, but I'm so proud of you. And yeah, that was that was that really. It was certainly an experience, but it's one of those things that just kind of made me fight a little bit harder. And Good on you for standing up for what you believe in as well, you know. And I'm sure, like you said, you would have definitely influenced others as well by doing that. Yeah. And, you know, my national director said to me, she was like, in a way, I'm glad it happened to you. Because obviously at the time I was 26, 27. Um, Whereas some girls that go to international pageants are like 17, 18. It's their first time they've really been away from home. And Holly was like, well, I'm glad it was you. And, you know, you stuck up for yourself. But if that had been another girl, which it could equally have been, you know, it would have been a very, very different outcome. So I'm proud that she now doesn't support that organization because yeah. of everything that went on and I, kn- I know she was torn with it and we spoke for hours on the phone about it and it was one of those moments that it was very conflicting and so many emotions and you know even when I got back to my room I rang my mom and I'm like Sarah you're a grown-ass woman at 27 like and I rang my mom and I just <laughs> cried <laughs> um, it's all part of the journey and something that I'm kind of proud of now like I look at those pictures and I'm like do you know what I did a good thing that day like it's really refreshing as well for people who may have low self-esteem or are concerned of their body image and to tell girls that they can't walk when they've just worked so hard for something it's just ridiculous isn't it yeah that's what all the other pageant girls are saying they're like how can they say you can't walk they're like they're like you've got the best body here out of all of us like they're like has he seen your abs I'm like speaking about um body positivity I did see on your Instagram that you did a shoot for the women's health magazine which was a nude shoot with, yep. with your barbell and weights and everything so how did that come about and how was that for you I, re- I read the article and you know it was so inspiring I'd been asked to do a shoot like that before by a different magazine a couple of times and at the time I was teaching and I was like you know what I just can't do it because you imagine going into school the next day and your pictures are slapped down the hallway like oh dear <laughs> <laughs> I was I'd, I'd always turned it down I was at a point I was like you know what I don't see myself going back to teaching even if I did like it's not like it's a sleazy nude shoot like whatever and at the time I was still a pageant queen so I spoke to my national director to see how she thought about it and all that kind of stuff and 
I was like, do you know what? It's for a really cool cause. And they do the, the campaign every year. So they do their naked campaign and it's all women from all sports, like, and their different body types and everything like that. So if you see the full article, you know, you've got a, a girl there who's like a para shot putter and you've got a girl doing climbing and like a couple of the netball girls, like rugby girls, but like, do you know what I mean? Like everybody. Variety of people. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was a really, really cool day to be a part of. Um, I actually did it with one of my teammates, which was kind of made it a little bit more fun as well. Cause you kind of had each other to like laugh at each other and whatever. But I do have my claim that I was the first person to ever actually do it fully naked. So people normally do it in like a nude thong and then they like edit it out or whatever. I was like, no, if I'm doing this, I'm doing it properly. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the photographer was like, we've never had anyone do this before. I'm like, well, proud to be the first. It was certainly an interesting experience. Trying to pick up a bar and weights while you're naked and not like show your soul to the world is is an interesting experience. But it was such a fun experience. It was so liberating. And the whole, you know, when the campaign came out afterwards, obviously you got the idiots and the sleazeballs and everything else. But then you got a lot of positive stuff that was like, see like women lifting weights doesn't make you manly like all this kind of stuff that that went with it so yeah it was a a really cool thing to be a part of and women's health actually like posted it on their instagram page so it like did a wonder for my following and that was a big thing that came about oh just another basic instagram girl getting naked to grow a following i'm like "Mm, if you actually knew about this campaign like i originally wasn't going to post it on my social media i was just going to leave it like in the magazine and kind of that was that and the women's health posted me and tagged me in it. I was like, well, it's out there for the world to see now. So. Well, to be fair, women's health, yeah. what an achievement. To, to be in something, be, be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool like to, to be a part of the whole thing. When they asked me to do it, I was like, are you sure? Like, so yeah, it was definitely one to keep. I remember, I remember when I told my mom I was doing it, and she was proper like kind of old school about it. And, like, and then I showed her, it, she was like, okay, it's a cool picture. And then I went, she went, don't show your dad though. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure dad was to see his like 25 year old daughter or whatever and it's a it's the generational thing as well I think and you know that was mum's concern what about when it comes to you getting jobs and this and that and like but yeah but the actual purpose of the article yeah. like is a good yeah. thing it's and it's positive yeah. yeah and if a future employer can't see that and she was like oh what if you go back into teaching one day and like if I do if I don't get a job because of that like it's ridiculous yeah. and I don't want to be you know part of that it's, so, it's kind yeah. of like um, you haven't stripped off just because it's, it's women's health it's for a good cause why not what I wanted to know is if there's any women listening that do want to get into weightlifting what advice would you give them and how can they go about having good form do they need a PT a physio is important yeah so early days so if you go on like the British weightlifting website you can see all the affiliated clubs so that's where you'll find like a proper weightlifting coach and stuff so it's really important you go to somebody who is a proper weightlifting coach I see quite a few like just personal trainers in gyms now trying to teach the weightlifting movements but they don't understand them well enough they've only ever really seen them done and never done them themselves or been taught to teach them properly and they're such complex movements that get it right from the start you know I spend my day-to-day life correcting people who have got it wrong to start with with the wrong coach or the wrong trainer and then you spend twice as long trying to fix bad habits and stuff like that so definitely get yourself to a weightlifting club or like I said a CrossFit gym somewhere like that where you can you know get someone to teach you the basics and the thing that I found the hardest when I started weightlifting is that I wanted to be training all the time because I loved it but you've got to let your body recover with a strength, like is strength-based rather than skill-based. So you can't just keep repeating it. Like you need to let your body have that downtime to recover and stuff, which coming from a gymnastics background, when you can just repeat skill after skill after skill for what was it? 27 hours a week training I was doing then like, 
I'm training less now, but I'm training for an Olympic Games. Like it shows how different it is on your body, and you've got to let your body do that recovery. I get a lot of people that come to me for programs and like, I want to do seven sessions a week, and I'm going to do double sessions on a weekend, and I'm like, you really don't need that. Like I don't even do that. So yeah, making sure you get that right and um, listening to your body, like you say about physios. Like if you do start to pick up a bit of a niggle and a bit of this and that, then get it checked out. Like don't just think, oh, I'll be all right. And making sure you are keeping on top of like the stretching and the mobility and stuff like that. Like people don't realize how mobile you need to be to do weightlifting but to get in the bottom position like with a snatch of a bar over your head and your bum's nearly on the floor like it's you know important that you look after that sort of stuff and stretch and foam roll and do the mobility work because if you're not mobile enough and you try and push yourself down there then something's got to give somewhere and you don't want that to happen so <laughs> I don't know if you've heard much of the podcast but at the end we've decided to ask you girls um some questions that are not really sport related just so we can get to know you a bit more mm-hmm. so our first question to you is who is your hero or who is someone you aspire to be like? Do you know what? This is a question that I get asked all the time and I never have an answer for it because I've always say like, don't imitate somebody else. Like be the best version of yourself because if you're trying to be someone else, you're going to be a worse version of that person because you aspire to them because they're good at what they do. And I think, you know, there's a lot of qualities from different people that I that I look up to, but I wouldn't say I particularly pinpoint one person that I, like I want to be them because... I just try and do every day to be a better version of myself, which kind of seems like a bit of a cop-out answer, but there isn't one person that I'm like, they're doing everything I want to do because no one wants to do what I want to do. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, no, that's totally, <laughs> that's, that's quite interesting as well to hear. Yeah, definitely makes sense. And because you're such, you seem like such an independent and powerful, inspirational person yourself. So I think you don't need that person, like you said, to pinpoint like who you need to be yeah. like. You just yeah. need to be you. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes being yourself is enough, yeah. isn't it? Just exactly. be comfortable in yourself, where you are and your intentions, I think. Yeah, exactly. Second question is, if you could be prime minister for the day, what would you change? Oh, wow. I'd fund weightlifting <laughs> would be my first thing, I guess, because we don't get anything yeah. from the government. So I think, uh, jokes aside, though, I think that it would be um, better education across the board into um you know into fitness and nutrition some of the government guidelines around fitness and health and all that kind of stuff if you actually look into them you know from a proper science point of view are actually just terrible and you know being a PE teacher and the stuff I used to have to teach at GCSE and A level PE like I didn't agree with it like it wasn't correct like so I'm a qualified nutritionist and I'm having to teach these kids stuff that's wrong (laughs) and you, you know I taught at a school that had some good level athletes at it and I'm like okay this is what I'm telling you to pass your exam but if you want to learn about nutrition for what you want to do in your sport come and have a separate conversation with me at the classroom (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that's definitely um what I'd be putting interest into and our final question is what is your favorite quote and why I guess it's probably that that I just said earlier really like be the best version of yourself because somebody else is already taken so no that's definitely a good one thank you so much for joining us you know you've been such a breath of fresh air I think I feel the same I feel empowered ready to go and conquer the world (laughs) I gotta go for a run now yes (laughs) thank you very much for listening to episode three of she has a goal in mind we hope you enjoyed listening And if you did like the episode, please don't forget to like, subscribe and follow us on social media at A Goal In Mind Podcast.